And as Jordan has said, and as Brother Tim just led us in, we're going to be focusing on Psalms 23 this evening. And so I encourage you to get your Bibles out and turn over there. We have read that and read that and memorized that and heard that over and over. It's like watching an old movie. And you've seen this movie 30,000 times, but you watch it again. You can quote the lines. You know it so well, but you always go back to it because there's so much there. And so this evening, I want to just share with you three or four simple points from Psalms 23 that will help us, I believe, as we look at some things together in God's Word and some things that will help us as we talk about the valleys that we face together. It's a beautiful day today. We're not going to see 90s where I live for at least three more months. So it's like, I got a taste of summer today. <laughs> then I'll have to go back and still kind of cold. But it is so good to be here, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the song service. We won't be preaching when we get to heaven. And I'll be too late. But we will be singing. And that's just an awesome, awesome thing so much. Well, it was a Saturday night. And a preacher had finished a gospel meeting. I have been there many times. I know Brother Ricky's been there many times. And so the preacher was flying home after spending a week with the church preaching. And he was on the airplane, and he had his laptop opened up, and he was hurriedly writing a sermon for the next day. Sitting beside him was a grandma off to see her grandchildren. And it was her very first flight. And so as they were flying up in the air, every once in a while there'd be some turbulence and some bouncing around, and Grandma would ooh and ah and grab the preacher's hand, and he would just keep typing away and typing away. And there was one time when they really had a big bounce in the air. And the grandmother looked over at the preacher and says, I don't know how you can keep working and typing when we're about to crash and die. And the preacher looked over with tired eyes and said, Ma'am, if we crash, I'm going to heaven. If we don't, i got to preach tomorrow. <laughs> and you know, that's a lot of life, isn't it? You know, sometimes we face these challenges, and life can be just very difficult along these things. And M. Scott Peck, in his great book called The Road Less Traveled, began his book with these three simple words, life is difficult. In the book of Job, chapter 14, we find these words that, Man born of woman is short-lived and full of trouble. One of the hymns we sing so often is, Troublesome times are here, filling men's heart with fear. We live in a time and an age where we, we really enjoy ideas of things on the top, on the mountain. Jesus gave us the sermon on the mount, the mountaintop. We think about Moses. Moses went up to the mountain and got the Ten Commandments. We even have songs that says, in the sound of music, climb every mountain. We have hymns that talk about this. Hilltops of glory. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. On Zion's glorious summit stood. If you notice, there's just not very many songs about valleys. And valleys are a part of life. And so what we're going to do this evening is we're going to talk about the valleys we read about in Psalm chapter 23. We understand that there are setbacks in life. There are defeats. There are conflicts. There are wars. There are difficult times. There's even troublesome times. And when we look at this, it will help us to understand these things. So let's begin, first of all, by reading the text. We can almost quote this. The writer Spurgeon said that this is the pearl of the Psalms. We've seen this written on cards. We see this everywhere. Such a great, great familiar passage. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I sometimes think when I read that, I'll just close the Bible and say, we're done. How powerful that passage is. How wonderful that passage is. How it reminds us of so many things. What's interesting about this passage, it begins with this kind of dream look world of, of quiet waters, maybe a still pond or just a quiet little brook. It, it gives us the idea of green pastures. Everything has just seemed so beautiful. But then suddenly what takes place is it changes. Because then within this, it talks about valleys. And then it's going to talk about shadows. And then it's going to talk about death. It's going to talk about evil. It's going to talk about enemies. And we realize that really this is part of life. Life is not always quiet waters. Life is not always green pastures. And we find this psalmist, as he's writing these things, illustrating for us how important these things are to see what we see in this passage. Now, before we move on, I want you to notice, first of all, the activity of God. And if you're an underliner, you ought to underline this. Notice how active God is in this passage. Notice this. It is he who makes me lie down. It is God who guides me to the, to the paths of righteousness. Again, we see you are with me. You prepare. You have, have anointed. Over and over, we see God is very, very active. But what we also notice in this passage is the personal nature. He wasn't just a God of heaven and earth, which he is. He's not just a God of Israel which he is. But notice how personal this is. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads my soul. He guides me. Notice over and over and over, he's illustrating the closeness of God to him. And again, that's what makes this such a powerful, powerful passage is understanding the relationship that he has with them. And so when we think about this multiple times in our Bible, do we read about this idea of difficult times? This is not the first time we read about in the Bible. From the days of Abel in the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation when we read about the suffering saints. The lives of Joseph, Moses, David, Daniel, Jeremiah, Hosea, Elijah are built around trouble. There were fiery furnaces. There were lion's dens. There were prisons. There, was, there were deserts. There were storms. There were diseases. There was death. They were falsely accused. They were chased. They were hunted down. They were treated terrible. They were full of trouble. The people in Hebrews chapter 11, every one of them suffered to some degree. And we read about this in our Bibles. In Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 2 rather, we read about the cries of Israel going up to God. They were being oppressed by the Egyptians and God heard their cries. In the book of Psalms, in chapter 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We think that with the words of Jesus, which is used in the New Testament. But originally, and as it's first written, he's talking about his situation in those times. He says, far from my deliverance are the words of my groanings. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. Here is a man who's in the valley. Again, we look in our Bibles in Psalm chapter 18. It says in verse 6, 
In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my Lord for help. He heard my voice out of his temple and the cry for my help before he came into his ears. God is hearing his cries. God understands the difficulties he's going through. Once again, chapter 56, you have taken account of my wonderings and put my tears in your bottle. Are they not written in your book? What an interesting passage. God has written your tears in his book. Tears that maybe no one else knows you cry but late at night for multiple reasons. People have hurt you. Life has not turned out the way you wanted it to turn out. You got hurt. You got some shame. You got some sins. And you cry at night. And the God of heaven, he knows that. Again, in the book of Psalms, we, we look in our Bible in chapter 6, it says, I am, it says, I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim and dissolve my couch with my tears. Again, here's somebody who's experiencing the tears and the sorrows of going through the valleys and how difficult those things are. We turn to the New Testament. We read the, the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where there he talks about how poorly they were treated, how roughly we were treated. He says, we're homeless. We toil working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become the drugs of the world or we have become the scum of the earth, he would say. Again, illustrating the difficulties as even Revelation chapter 2 would talk about suffering, being ready to, ready to die, even if it takes that. And so whether we talk about the turmoil in the world, we talk about the turmoil in the church, the turmoil in our families, my personal turmoil, we need to see that in Psalms chapter 23, there's four great reminders that ought to help us. Number one, God intends for us to journey through these valleys with him. This was not a mistake that he was in the valley. It wasn't I was following some. You ever do that? You're following somebody in the car and you don't know where to go and they didn't give you the address. Just follow me. And so you're just following this person and the next thing you know, you can't see him anymore. Well, I think they got off on this exit, but maybe they didn't. And when we look at this passage, why was he in the valley? It wasn't I'm following my shepherd and, and I lost sight and I got off on the exit ramp here and I'm lost. He's with his shepherd. His shepherd wants him to go through those valleys. It was not a mistake. It was not a sin in his life. He had not taken the wrong turn. He was not lost. This is exactly where God wanted him to be. You know, when we think of valleys, especially where I live, through Kentucky and through Tennessee, this is the image that comes to our minds. Just rolling hills, beautiful pastures. we got horses over there eating that and cows eating that. Just a wonderful, wonderful image. But that's not the picture here in the book of Psalms. It's something more like that. It's something where around that corner it could be an animal. Around that corner could be some marauders. A sudden rain would fill that canyon up with water and it could be instant death. And so the presence of God in those valleys would make all the difference. And so these are some things that we need to see and appreciate. And number one, we need to see these valleys can be a lot longer than we anticipated. And sometimes when we're following the Lord and the next thing we know we're in this valley and things aren't really working well for me, it's a difficult situation we may think, well, now let's get out of it today, tomorrow at the latest. Sometimes these valleys last a long time. 
For Israel and Babylon, it was 70 years before God would allow them to turn and come back as they should. These valleys can be a lot scarier than we thought. And these valleys can require much more faith and much more courage than we ever expected. And again, that's just characteristic of these valleys. Second point, as we think about this, God intends for these valleys to make us better. That's why God wants us to go through these valleys. Now, again, for ancient Israel, back in the biblical times, what the shepherd would do is they would eat the pasture in the lowlands, and then in the summer they'd go up to the higher ground. But to get from the lowland to the higher ground, they had to go through those valleys. They had to go through those canyons. And following the shepherd was leading to something better, but they had to follow the shepherd. And God wants you to understand that these valleys are intended to make us better. And there's lots of things we need to see. And they open our eyes to the goodness of God. Everything bad about these valleys are taken care of by the Lord. Lonely, God is with us. Unsettling, God comforts us. Scary, I will fear no evil. And for us, what these valleys do is they change our hearts. They affect us in a way that is powerful. And they help us to see how we need to see what God wants us to be in all these things. In your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to that famous passage in the book of James, chapter 1. It talks again about the trials we go through. James, chapter 1, and in verses 2 through 4, again, James mentions this. He says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be complete, lacking in nothing. God intends these valleys to change us and to make us better. They're there to give us experience. They're there to help us. They're there to big, build character. There's these two guys who went to high school together. They lost touch for decades. And then through Facebook, one of them found the other. They hadn't seen each other in a long, long time. And one of them says, well, let's connect again. Why don't you come by my office and we visit a while and we'll go out for lunch. So that one man showed up, showed a great big executive office. And as he's walking around the office, he noticed all these trophies on the wall. He was amazed. There's a trophy for bowling in the perfect game, 300. There's a trophy for getting a hole in one. There's track and field trophies. There's football trophies. There's basketball trophies. He was just amazed. Look at all these awards you've received. And then the man walked up to him and started looking at them. They started reading them. The names and the dates just weren't jiving. And he said, well, tell me about all this stuff. He says, well, I bought these at garage sale. He says, aren't they impressive? And I sometimes wonder if that's us. I want the trophy. I want the award. But I don't want to do what it takes to get it. And to get those awards, sometimes I have to go through those valleys. We want to bypass the valley and just give me heaven, God. Just bypass this and give me what I want. But that oftentimes simply does not happen according to what God says. And so these valleys give us the experiences to help others. And you think about that. Some of you have buried your children. And that's just out of order. The children are supposed to bury the parents. I've done so many funerals where the mom and dad are still sitting in the pew and we're burying a child. And that's a deep, deep, long valley. 
But once you've come out on the other side, what comfort you are, what help you are for someone just starting that valley, someone who's just entering it for the first time, you've gone through that valley, you know what works, you know what doesn't work, and what a help you can be to the fellowship of God's people when you share these experiences, because I have been there myself. I have been there with this trouble. I have been there with that trouble. We've had this problem. We've had that problem. We've had cancer. We've had car wrecks. We've had all these things. And now, because of the grace of God, I'm on the other side, and I can help you. And that's just a great thing to, for us to appreciate. Number three is we think about these valleys. Again, just some simple lessons for you. God intends for these valleys to be opportunities to seek him. And I want you to notice, let's go back to Psalms 23, and I want you to notice there's a, there's a change in the flow here. And if you're not careful, you miss it. And there's something significant that takes place in this passage. The passage begins by talking about the Lord. He's talking about God. He's just, as if I talk about God, you talk about God, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord leads me. The Lord guides me. Just, just concepts about the Lord. But when you get to verse 4, it changes. And when he gets to the valley, it becomes a prayer. Notice he no longer talks about the Lord. He starts talking to the Lord. Notice the change in language. You. You see that? He's talking to God. This is the prayer. Again, your rod, your staff. He'll say, you have prepared a table before me. And so what we see is as he enters this valley, this passage now becomes a prayer. And he's praying to the God, the shepherd, who's going to lead him to help him. And what a powerful lesson that is for us to remind ourselves that when there's trouble, God hasn't forsaken us. God hasn't said, I'll see you on the other side. I'll be on another road. But when you get through here, I'll meet you. He is there with us. And he is there to help us. And the proclamation through all of this is that I will fear no evil. No enemies, no death, no shadows, no valleys. And again, that is something that helps us so much. In the book of Mark, if you turn there in your Bible, to Mark chapter 4 and Mark chapter 5, there is a powerful little flow of passages here. One of my favorite sections in the Gospels. There are four miracles that's just immediately one after the other. And what they all do is they demonstrate the power of Jesus. They all demonstrate that Jesus can do what no one else can do. And so it begins in chapter 4 with a storm that they think they're going to die. Look with me, if you will, in Mark chapter 4, begin verse 35. On that day when the evening came, he said, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took along with them in the boat, just as he was also in the other boats with them. There arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Stop right there. Three things in verse 37 you need to see. You may not know anything about boats. You may be like old Popeye, the land lover, okay? Somebody says, point to the starboard side of the boat. You might say, I don't know which is the starboard side. But verse 37, all of us can see three things. Number one, it says there, was, there arose a fierce gale of wind. The Greek language, it's the same word we get for seismograph, earthquake. This wasn't just a little bit of white water. 
This is a serious, serious storm. Second thing verse 37 says, the waves were breaking over the boat. When you got waves over the boat, you got problems. The waves are supposed to be under the boat, not above the boat. That's a problem. The third thing he says is the boat was filling up with water. The water's supposed to be on the outside of the boat, not the inside of the boat. And so they are scared. They think they're going to die. And so Jesus is awakened by these apostles after they try everything else, I believe, and he calms the storm, peace be still, where we get that song, and then he calms the hearts of the disciples. As soon as chapter 5 begins, something else takes place. There is a demon-possessed man that runs toward Jesus. Verse 2 of chapter 5, he got out of the boat and immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Now you can imagine this man's naked. He's been living in the tombs. He has cut himself with rocks. He's bloody. He's scary looking. And he's coming running right at them. I imagine those wet disciples decided, let's just get back in that boat. This is not a good day. And what does Jesus do? He cast that demon to the pigs. The pigs rush into the sea and they drown. Well, they get in that boat and they go to the other side. Immediately what happens after that? There comes a, a synagogue official. And there comes a woman with the issue of blood. The synagogue official has a 9-11 call. My little girl is dying. Come quickly. And on the way they go there, they're met by this woman with the issue of blood. And Jesus stops allows her to be healed, and has a conversation with her. How many times I read that and think, think to myself, I would have messed that up so bad. If you get these two people coming to the emergency room of the hospital at the same time, a woman with the issue of blood, she's had this for 12 years, you could say, honey, hang on another 30 minutes. It's not going to change anything. Lay, lay an hour here. It's going to be okay. I've got to take care of this dying girl. Then I will be back, and I will take care of you. No. This woman, who's given no name to us, who probably was broke, as the text says, she spent all of her money, she hadn't gotten worse, she was a just as valuable as the synagogue official who's named to us, who's important to the community. Jesus is showing that she is just as important. And through all of this, Jesus is saying, no, these things are not greater than I am. God is more powerful than the disease, more powerful than the storm, more powerful than the demon, more powerful than death. And what we see here in Mark 4 and 5, in just one little capsule, God is showing you the power, the compassion, and the love of Jesus Christ. Right here. And so when I walk through that valley, you might think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not one of the shepherds in this church. I'm not one of the deacons. I'm not one of the preachers. I'm just nobody. I'm just nobody. Nobody really thinks about me. Nobody really cares about me. I'm just nobody. Not to God. To God, you are valuable. To God, Jesus died, sent his son to die for you. To God, you mean everything to him. And so again, when we think about this, what opportunities it brings before us to see these things. Well, you got the New Testament open. Look over in the book of Luke, chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Again, a great reminder for us. Luke 18 and verse 1, as Jesus was teaching the disciples, he would say, now he was telling them a parable to show that all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. To lose heart is to be discouraged. We simply use the phrase, I don't feel like it. 
I don't feel like going to school today. Why? Because my heart's not into it. I don't feel like going to work today. Why? Because my heart's not in it. I don't feel like going to worship today. Why? Because my heart's not in it. Jesus says, don't lose your heart. You control that. And one way you can control that is by praying to God. And you can, again, you can't stop what happens on the outside, but you can keep the outside from coming into the inside as we think about these. And what these valleys do for us, these valleys give us opportunities to pray more, to walk closer to God, and to lean more heavily upon the Lord. They say, well, if you look in your life, and you look at the times that you really had some serious health issues, you had some real scares in your family, I dare say you probably prayed more, sought the Lord more, looked in the Bible more, and through those valleys, you realized how important God is for us. And then the fourth simple lesson I want you to see this evening, as we think about this concept here, is that God intends for you to make it through the other side. He doesn't intend for the valley to win. He doesn't intend for you to die in a valley. He doesn't want you to be defeated in the valley. The whole purpose of going through the valley is get to the other side. He doesn't want you to get a mailbox and put it in the valley and say, this is now my home. I dwell in the valley. That's not what God wants. But God is leading you. You've got to realize that we've got to follow him and get to the other side. And then notice his expression. My head, he anoints. My cup is overflowing. And that's followed by the goodness. And my residence will be with the Lord forever. We may limp. We may have scars. We may be bruised. We may have trouble. But through all of that, we will continue marching, marching to Zion. Apostle Paul would say so well in 2 Timothy, I have fought, I have kept, I have finished. And that's the idea. Just a simple, simple passage. We know it so well. But I hope it gives you some things to think about. Because from time to time in our lives, we all go through those valleys. And to see that what the psalmist is teaching us is it doesn't mean you did something wrong. It doesn't mean you're being punished. It doesn't mean that God has forsaken you. What it means is God is leading you to somewhere else. It may be dark, it may be scary, but oh, you can get through those things. Years ago, when we lived in Kansas City, there was a family there that were members of our congregation, and I had baptized their mother. Mother's name was Dee. And in the course of just a few months after I baptized her, Dee got cancer. And it was pretty bad. But the doctors were working with her, and they all thought that she was getting better. So one Saturday night, I was just getting ready to go to bed, and the phone rang. And it was the daughter. She called me. She was crying so hard I could hardly make out what she said. All I knew was, can you come to the hospital? So I came to the hospital. The family's out there in the waiting room. And I'm meeting with them. And they said, the doctor just left. The doctor says, mom has a week, 10 days at the most. We're all crying. We don't know what to do. You go talk to her. I just love moments like that, don't you, Ricky? He's like, okay, I know what to say. And so I walked in there, and Dee was just crying. She wouldn't even look at me. She was lo looking over at the curtains. And I said, Dee, I hear you're going to get to see Jesus. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wish I could go with you. And we started talking about some verses in our Bible. We talked about Psalms 23. You're in a valley, and the Lord is leading you. 
But because of your faith and your trust in Jesus, you're going to make it to the other side. And we just started thinking about so many of those heaven hymns. And we just started talking about them. Pretty soon she turned around. She's looking at me. I said, it's going to be amazing. I said, now I don't know what's allowed on the other side. But if the Lord allows you to say something to my mama, because she's been over there a long time, just tell her I'm trying my best. And I hope to see her. Well, all went well. So I went home. Next morning, Sunday. Walking out, getting to my car, phone rings. And it's Dee's sister. And you have to know her sister. She's real gruff talking, okay? Is this Roger? Yes. Did you talk to my sister yesterday? I said, oh boy, here it comes. Yeah, I did. What did you talk to her about? I said, Jesus, heaven, scriptures, faith, hope. Our journey doesn't end at the cemetery. Our journey ends with God. And she said, well, I want you to know we're all crying and she's smiling. <laughs> and then she got real quiet. She said, will you come tell me what you told her? And I said, well. But a week later, Dee died. We had a funeral. But a week after that, I baptized her sister. But that's what this passage is about. God doesn't say, follow me, and it's a yellow brick road all the way home, and you don't have to worry about monkeys, you don't have to worry about anything that's going to scare you in life because it's just a great trip. No, it's not going to be that way. You're going to do some valleys, and you're going to have a table before your enemies, and there's going to be some scary moments. But guess what? You're going to stay right on the heels of Jesus. Where he turns, you turn. When he stops, you stop. Where he goes, you go. And following Jesus will get you through that valley and will lead you home. It is disturbing to me how so many times we have what I call fair weather Christmas. We use that expression in golf, okay? A true golfer will golf in the snowstorm. He'll golf in the blizzard. He doesn't care. He, he's a true golfer. Fair weather golfers will look at the temperature and says, oh, there's a five-mile-an-hour wind. It's just too windy. I'm not going to go. He just has to have fair weather. Sometimes, sadly, we can be the same thing. Long as I'm feeling good today, I'm going to go to church. Long as things are going good today, I'll be at Bible class. But all of a sudden now, my mama's in the hospital. All of a sudden now, I lost my job. All of a sudden now, things aren't going well. I'm in the valley, and I'm going to stop. Years ago, when I was up in Indianapolis preaching, we had this young man, 16 years old. He was always kind of a hot shot. And after every sermon, he'd pop my hand, good sermon, preacher, and off he'd go. He slept half the time, but, I, you know, he was 16. I didn't think much about it. For his 16th birthday, his mom and dad bought him the biggest, fastest, yellowest car I've ever seen in my life. One Sunday morning, he drove that big old car up to the church, had worship service. He walked out, great sermon, I think. By 2.30, I got a call from his mom. I walked into the hospital room just when I put the sheet over his head. He was killed in the car wreck. I sat down with his mom and dad as they were bawling, and I said, one of two things will happen. This tragedy will pull you closer together and you'll walk closer to Jesus than you ever have been. Or this tragedy will tear your marriage up. And you'll walk away from Jesus. 
Within a year, they were divorced. Neither one of them worshiped the Lord today. Valleys, they're going to happen to you. But the question is, what are you going to do about the valleys? And that's what this lesson's all about. I wish I could say, you know, here's a magical verse. You read this verse, and you'll never have trouble again the rest of your life. That's not true. It's not true. Look what they did to the apostles. Look what they did to your Jesus. But following Jesus, we'll get through those things, and we'll get to the other side. So this evening, if we can be of any help, if you've never been baptized, that's where it starts. You've got to be on God's side of things, and so you need to be baptized for remission of your sins. But some of us are in balance. Some of us are struggling, struggling emotionally, struggling spiritually, struggling in our marriages, struggling because we're just not connecting. Maybe you're not connecting in this congregation. Maybe you're not connecting with Jesus. And maybe you thought, you know, one more Monday night, one more gospel meeting, I'm going to give it a try. Do you realize God is saying, I haven't given up on you. Why are you giving up on me? I've led you this far, and yeah, maybe you are in a valley right now. Are you wanting to turn around and go the other way? I'm going this way. you got to stay with me. we got to get through this valley together and see what's on the other side. If we can help you, won't you come as a standstill? Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can. But thank you for connecting with us.